0: Hi, everyone. I'm excited, uh, of course, to open up the Word of the Lord with you, to hear what the Spirit has to speak to our hearts today. We are covering a huge amount of ground, and so I am desperate for the Lord to completely take over. So, Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and um, that your will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. We need... Uh, your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. Would you be the one who guides us through, illuminates your word, um, and and really, uh, just completely takes over uh, this study as always, Lord. This is for for Your name's sake. This is uh, Your Your kids. This is Your church. Um, we are Your people. These. This is Your word, Lord God. We lift You up. We magnify the name of Jesus. And we just ask that your word, as it goes forth, would accomplish accomplish what it sets out to do um, right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So last week we were uh, in Isaiah, we had started Isaiah, we finished the second half of Isaiah uh, today, which is amazing. So grab your cup of coffee, Uh, we're going to go fast and um, get your pen, your Bible, paper, and we're going to dive into that second half of Isaiah. And we're learning, you know, that many times, and as we see in the book of Isaiah, um, both aspects of Christ's... Suffering, but then also him ruling and reigning would be kind of like mixed together in a single phrase, even in one prophecy that's going to be given to us. We're going to look at that. The, the prophets would be speaking of aspects, um, you know, of the first coming of Jesus Christ, and then they would go right into, uh, you know, a word of prophecy about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It was a mystery to the, the prophets. Uh, the The glorious reign of Jesus, Jesus the Messiah, who would sit on the throne of David and and bring peace, Um, and then, then they would have words that the Holy Spirit would inspire them to speak and write, and it would talk about a man of sorrows, a man who was acquainted with grief, and these prophets themselves did not understand exactly what they were writing, because it was, listen, it was written for our sake. It was written for you and for me. Uh, Daniel, uh, we're going to get into the book of Daniel. Daniel sought further understanding. And you know what the Lord told him? He said, Daniel, seal it up. Seal up the words that I have spoken to you, that you have written down. I want you to seal it up because it's not for you, Daniel, but it is for those who would be in the last days. It's for those who would be on the earth in the end He goes, it's it's not for you, but in the last days, knowledge is going to be increased, Daniel. And they're going to be able to put these pieces together, even the things that you don't understand. These things are for a generation. They're written down even through you by my instruction, by my spirit, for a generation that is to come. And we are that generation. You are that generation. He says they will understand these things and the most amazing thing, that that in all of space and time and history, this epoch of time, the Lord has destined and purposed for you to be on the planet now. There is great, great destiny that that is written over your scroll for your life to participate with the Lord in this time. I was talking to my daughter Bentley, who is a junior in high school, and all of the things that coronavirus has stopped for her normal plan You know, we've got the senior year coming up. We've got finals taking place now, but it's all online. I mean, everything is mixed up and we were walking and there's great frustration and there's sadness for the seniors of this year that that didn't get to do their normal graduation and things like this. And I said, honey, you have to start to have the Daniel vision. You are a Daniel generation. You and I are part of that Daniel generation where we need to see and have a totally different perspective. We've got to be able to go all, All the way to the end when Jesus Christ is coming back and ruling and reigning on the earth. It completely changes your perspective and your plans. And instead of getting depressed and sad, it starts to awaken and stir faith in you and hope in you and great design and destiny over you that you were chosen to live for such a time as this and for us to be Lord what what are you saying what are you speaking to me what is my part to play for uh you know this great privilege for this to be part of the the destiny that you had written in the plan over my life so we're looking we're looking at that here. Um, we, we get to look at these prophecies that were written so long ago, literally thousands of years ago, and we have the advantage of history. So we can look back through space and time. We can see what they wrote, and then the Holy Spirit starts to put those pieces together for us. We can look toward the second coming of Jesus Christ as we start to see all these things that are taking place around the world. uh, you know, And and then we are the ones who are supposed to be able to say, because we have the word of God, because we have the spirit of God living inside of us, we say, ah, that is what Daniel the prophet was talking about so long ago. And it begins to unfold to us step by step, piece by piece, like a puzzle uh, in these days. So, Jesus, knowing that he would fulfill both depictions of his coming, remember the first and the second, when he was here on the earth picture him there. He's got little sandals on, and he walks into the synagogue in Nazareth. And they ask, Rabbi, teacher, would you read the scroll, the portion, the Parsha reading for today's reading? And so all the Jews around the world would have opened this same portion up at the same time, and Jesus himself opens to Isaiah 61. You might want to turn there right now. And The most amazing thing happens as he's reading the the prophecy of Isaiah, he actually stops in the middle of verse 2 in our Bible. They don't have verse 2, but for us, in verse 2, he stops. And then he closed the scroll and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. Literally proclaiming that first part of Isaiah 61 being fulfilled in Jesus in their day. And so he didn't go on. Why did he stop there? It's very specific. Um, Because when you keep going in Isaiah 61, it starts with the first coming of Jesus Christ and what he was going to do. It zooms you into the second coming aspect of Jesus Christ and what he would do, but it won't be fulfilled until that day, until he comes again. See, the Lord is precise. The Lord is, we're gonna look at that. It's gonna stir your faith. Get excited. Let hope start rising in you now. Jesus knew his ministry and his calling in his first coming. He knew nothing was by surprise. It was all foreknown and ordained. He saw, he knows the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He stops in the middle of the prophecy and said, "'Today this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes.'" So we see what was fulfilled, and then we see what is still yet to come, yet to be fulfilled even in our day and age right now. He starts with a saying, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek or to the poor. Now remember John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. um, He uh, is, is in prison. And he's not quite understanding what is going on as he's sitting there imprisoned. And Jesus is out there doing the the, the ministry, uh, walking in his calling of that first coming of of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And John is confused because there he is in prison. He's about to be beheaded. And he's wondering, as he sits there, I I thought that the Messiah was gonna come and rule and reign and sit on the throne of David and bring peace. I I thought that he was gonna come and he was going to overthrow Rome in, in his day and age. Um, so he sends his disciples to Jesus. John does. And he says, I want you to ask Jesus a question and I want you to ask him, is he the one? Is he the one that has been prophesied about? Is he basically the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? This is John the Baptist. John the Knew He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. The Lord told him, the one when you see the dove descend upon him and stay and rest upon him, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In fact, John the baptizer said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the only one who could do that was the Messiah. So John knew, but, but yet here he was confused. He didn't understand because Jesus wasn't doing what John expected him to do in his own timing, in his own ways, in his understanding. Jesus, though, this is what's so great. The disciples of John come with the question, and Jesus doesn't directly answer their question. The time goes on, and the disciples are with him, and they watch as Jesus takes a blind man and opens his eyes and he sees, as he as he touches or speaks to deaf ears and commands them to be open. Uh, for the lame to actually be held by his hand and picked up, and they walk without crutches. They no longer have to lay on a mat. And he's going throughout all the villages and, and he's teaching and he's preaching the good news, the gospel. And so he says to the disciples that are coming with the question for John, who is about to be beheaded. He says, tell tell John this, tell him this, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the poor, they hear the gospel, it's being preached to them. He goes, the gospel is being preached, the good news is going out to sinning man who would repent, and it's good news, John. heard and he knew that this was the prophecy that isaiah was talking about and that that was being fulfilled in his day john knew and jesus knew that john knew the scriptures that john knew the prophecies but he was a little confused about the first and the second coming of jesus christ but he made it very clear to john i am exactly who you know and claim me to be he has sent me jesus said in isaiah to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. Now, this part of the prophecy in Isaiah 61 that Jesus came to do, it speaks of the ministry of Jesus Christ to those who had died before his first coming. Those who had died before his first coming. Peter tells us that Christ preached to those souls that were imprisoned. It says, Christ, who first ascended, he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. Men of the Old Testament who it was accounted them to them as righteousness because of their faith. They believed. They believed the scriptures. They believed the Messiah was coming. They believed, and as they did their sacrifices of the, of the animals, they knew that it would only cover their sins temporarily, but another would come from the Lord, who was the Messiah, who would not just cover the sins, but actually remove the sins from the people. And We looked at that last week in our study in Isaiah making our, our sins white as snow, and, and even though they're as scarlet, and we went into that. Um, so men who believed and, and, and had died before that first coming of Jesus Christ, before he had died on the cross, they had to wait for Jesus Christ, and they had to wait for his blood to be shed to cover and remove their sin before they could enter into that heavenly scene. So that was part of Jesus Christ first, coming was to fulfill and to actually bring those captives and to set them free. He says, remember Jesus, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Now, back in Isaiah 61, we continue, and he says, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time for your salvation. Jesus was saying, this is fulfilled in your day now. This was two, some 2,000 years ago. And then Jesus closed the scroll of Isaiah here because this dealt with the first aspect of his coming. Isaiah, though, uh, in his day, not seeing, not understanding, as the Holy Spirit just takes over and directs what he's writing and what he's seeing, um, it starts then going, not understanding the two comings, the two aspects, the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. He goes right on. And in the same line, now Jesus has closed the scrolls there and in the New Testament. Now we're moving into, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God it just rolls right into that. We're going boom, shoop, zooming into the future. God's vengeance and wrath will be poured out on this earth as the seals are opened, as it talks about in the book of Revelation. The judgments of God and the earth will enter into the wrath of the Lamb. It talks about that phrase specifically in the book of Revelation. Now, listen, I do not believe uh, that we will be here as believers because the church, the, so the church will not be here for the wrath of God. For the wrath of God, I believe that the church will not be on the earth because Paul tells us in Romans that we have not been appointed unto wrath. Those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior were covered by the blood of the lamb and all of that judgment has been placed on Jesus and we now have our life in him and we are seen as righteous as him. He gave us his robes. Um, So the wrath is not for us. First Thessalonians also says that we have not been pointed to wrath, the wrath of God. This is for the unbelieving world that has gone against the ways of God, that does not accept the blood, of the lamb but that does not mean that we are not going to be around for the wrath of the dragon and that is a separate issue listen the antichrist spirit has been here since the days of the cross thousands of years do you know that more christians are being beheaded for their faith around the world right now in this present day in history and space and time right now than at any other time. Uh, it, it just it doesn't seem to be that way because here in the West we're not experiencing that but we're starting to feel the antichrist spirit start raging against God's people it always has it will and it's here now and it's building it's building and that's what the wrath of the dragon crescendos into it's against God's people it's against God's church it's against Israel and against the Jews and so so we're starting to feel those things start heating up right now and those those two things the wrath of the land the wrath of the dragon are separate things I believe that we are not appointed to God's wrath, and that is good news. That is very good news. So that wrath that comes from Satan, the wrath of the dragon, you know, we're already feeling it. We're already watching it start boiling up. Do you know that Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, actually is quoted in the Jerusalem Post saying that he believes that we should chip the children right now with a with a little biochip a sensor to keep them from being too close to each other in the name of keeping them healthy and away from coronavirus. But it's like, have you read the book? The world, you're watching the world scene and the pieces are starting to fit into place. We're even in a time where our own President Trump, who we are gonna talk about, um, actually has made the peace deal of a century going into the Middle East and where he's dividing the land. And and what's fascinating is right after that happened in, in January of this year, coronavirus breaks out and the whole world is on lockdown. Um, it's, It's pretty fascinating. We need to be the people who start to look at these things according to the lens of scripture and say, this is that as he starts opening them up for us. So, the wrath of God is not the same. And there is a distinction between the two, the wrath of God, the wrath of the dragon, or the, the, that antichrist spirit, even the antichrist who will come on the scene. Um, and, but the Lord will... He will bring his, his wrath, it says, that day of vengeance against the world that has said, we don't need you, we don't want you, we are doing this on our own, we reject you, uh, and and all of the wrongs and all of the injustices that have taken place, all the things that you have prayed for, where you have seen things that have wrong wronged, where, where, where it seems like the wicked are, are winning and triumphing, and those, those prayers are being held in a Bowl. It says the the saints, their prayers, and then finally, there's going to come a day where the Lord will pour that out. And vengeance, the Lord says, is mine. I will repay. Says the Lord. That day is coming. In the scriptures. In the prophecies, though, and this is what's so beautiful and what I want you to get excited about. It's just as I told you, you're not going to be there for the day of wrath of God on the earth. Then we're also being prepared that that Antichrist spirit is coming against us. So we need to understand that we are going to continue to go through those things until the Lord takes us to be with him, which we know he will. But, but so we're being prepared. The Lord tells us the end from the beginning, And so in the prophecies, it's amazing History was foretold ages before it happens. So you want to know what's going on. You cannot go to the talking heads. You can't go to the newspapers. You need to be informed as we talked about salt and light last week. But the way that we're going to be able to make it through this and not just make it through, but come out as the children of God who literally are walking in the the book of Acts kind of moment. You know, the power of God demonstrated through us is um, we're going to do it through the lens of scripture led by his spirit. And you need to start feeding yourself on this. The intricate courses of human events, hundreds and even thousands of years were accurately and precisely recorded in your Bible. And this proves if you are wavering, if you are in doubt, if you are in fear, listen, this proves that the only way that these things with such detail could be foretold is if it was foretold by God himself <laughs> and this is the thing it proves that God is real God is real listen in the book of Deuteronomy Moses' last words so now we're going back way back from even Isaiah's time in uh, Moses' last words were that the land of Israel would be invaded by an enemy people and that the Jewish people would be taken captive in the nations. They would be scattered. It says scattered, Deuteronomy 28, 64, quote, from one end of the earth to the other. They would be persecuted from one nation to the next. They would wander the earth. In Isaiah, he's telling the people, he's telling them right now, and he's warning them through the spirit of God, the Assyrians are coming. Babylon is coming after that. And they're going to come and they're going to put us into captivity. People of God, are you listening? The Lord is letting us know what's about to happen. That's Isaiah's day. And it came to pass just as Isaiah prophesied it would. That is history. That is fact. That is truth. We have it. We know. But then the exile also was given an expiration date because our God is a date setter, which is Amazing, He said it was going to be 70 years that you will be in captivity. It was precise. It was accurate. He told the prophet Jeremiah, you will be in captivity for 70 years. And the whole thing is, is we're looking at right now, like, you know, the vaccine will save us. No, the vaccine is evil. You know, they're talking about biochipping people. Do you know that they've already done it to people? The homeless in Austin, Texas. You can look it up in uh, it's called my pass and they have chipped the people the homeless in Austin Texas when I read it I started crying and it gives all their information their medical information and kind of their their status of what they can get and what they should be you know all and you just it's chipped it's just right there and the information is there and and you're, you're hearing of you know the economy maybe you're struggling even yourself right now with where the next paycheck is going to come there is so much fear that is going on and there is so much contradiction that has happening. There is so much injustice in the land. Um, when, when we see, a, you know, a young black man who's just literally exercising and running and is literally gunned down by two men in their truck for simply exercising, regardless of what they thought. Unbelievable. Where's the justice? And all these things are mounting and we're watching, we're feeling the pressure. And what I want you to know, and I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to just settle your spirit and your mind, your emotions and your thoughts. Right now, we are overcome this period, this time that you've been destined for, when we live by it is written. That's exactly what Jesus did when he was in that 40 days. Quarantine means 40 days, 40 days quarantine, he was sitting there and and as he's fasting and the little spirit put him into the wilderness, he's tempted by the devil. And the way that Jesus overcame is an example to us in this quarantine. We overcome the enemy coming against us, which he is right now. By living by it is written. It is written. You need to be encouraged. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to focus. You've got to think on these things. You've got to dwell on these things. You've got to chew on these things that the Lord God does everything on time and in his time. So back to Moses. uh, His, you know, prophecy, when he spoke in that Deuteronomy prophecy, he spoke about being scattered, the people of God being scattered from one end of the earth to the other. This would be fulfilled in its entirety, in the second exile. So there was a first exile, but then there is a second exile. In 70 AD, Jesus himself told his disciples that the Romans were gonna come and that basically the people of God were going to be dispersed all over throughout the whole world. And that happened. The Roman armies came, they destroyed Jerusalem, and they drive out the people of God all over the face of the earth. But what's so amazing and what's so beautiful? As soon as the Lord would speak to His prophets by His Spirit and tell a forecoming, you know, doom or judgment or something that seemed to be hopeless and devastating, uh, he he uh, instantly—it's just like you, you got to almost like just buckle up, Buttercup, because he then would, uh, as soon as foretelling the scattering, here's God's heart. He never leaves His kids there. He says. Then the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity, and he will have compassion on you, and he will gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. This was foretold thousands of years ago. Not just the first exile that happened in Isaiah's day, but then the second exile that would happen in 70 AD with the Romans He also prophesied, though, of the return of the Jewish People to their ancestral homeland, their ancient homeland. And listen to me here. When you saw that prophecy be fulfilled that even Moses spoke all the way back in Deuteronomy and all the prophets spoke of the regathering. We're going to keep coming back to this and getting different layers of it and the amazing, beautiful power. It's inspiring of who our God is and that he has everything under control. He says, when you see that prophecy of them being scattered all over the earth for some 2,000 years and then I regather them back into their land, you need to know that this is a sign, this is the sign that you are in the end times. That was some says 72 years ago. As we've noticed in prophecy so many times and this is why you have to, this is, we're learning God's ways, there's a dual fulfillment of prophecy. There's layers until an ultimate fulfillment. So many times there is a local situation like Isaiah and he's he's telling his people, don't don't go into Egypt for help in this impending invasion of Assyria. So this was this was coming towards them. This was soon and near for them in their day and age. He says, trust in the Lord for your help. He goes, you keep going to this arm of flesh. And we do this too, and this is a word for us right now. When he was saying, the prophet, and he speaks to, to you and to me today, don't look for an arm of flesh to go and help you. You go to the strong arm of the Lord. And then the prophet, after he goes into this, you know, impending Assyrian invasion, he then zooms into the future again. And an example of that, I love this, we're going to look at Isaiah 31.5. And the whole intention of this is to bolster your faith, It's to build and stir up your faith right now. The word of the Lord is such that one scripture can hold several layers of meaning and application, and God can and does work and act in modern times listen according to biblical patterns according to biblical like uh, templates and the reason is he wants to teach you and I he does not want us to be caught unaware we're his kids we're supposed to be mature we're supposed to be discerning of the things that are happening and we go ah I've seen this before and we go back to the ancient scrolls and we look there to our answers and what to do so here the prophecy in the template, we're in Isaiah 31.5, it uh, speaks of Jerusalem being preserved in a, uh, and kept intact in a time of war. This happened, this very thing that is talked about in Isaiah thousands of years ago, actually happened when the Turks were in Jerusalem and the British brought its liberation. The scripture mentions very specifically how this would take place. Listen to Isaiah 31 verse 5. So this is zooming into the future, far future for Isaiah. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. So if you catch that, the Lord is very specific. He does everything on purpose. It it, it likens their, their salvation coming, the city of Jerusalem as it's being attacked in a time of war. It says you're going to be preserved as birds flying, birds flying. The prophecy is unique in its imagery as birds flying over it. That's how God's protection was going to come. Isaiah saw it as birds flying over the city of Jerusalem as a war is taking place, but it gets to stay intact. Jerusalem had been in many fights up until this point against armies, swords, um, great, uh, you know, mighty men, uh, you know, of uh, 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 chariots and horses and archers uh, and, and siege work laid against it. But never a war where deliverance would come as something, as birds flying over it, until 1917. Hmm. The British General Allenby's Air Force would use planes, airplanes. So in Isaiah's day, for him to describe a plane, you know, as a bird. This is what he saw. And remember, the prophets don't always understand what they're writing because they're going in and out of time and space uh, where, you know, the Lord is giving, you know, it for us to turn and look and see. This is that. So he uses these airplanes and they played a huge part of the liberation and protection of Jerusalem. Now, don't get bored. We're going to go into more details because this is how precise and how awesome our God is. Not wanting Jerusalem to be ruined, they drove the enemies out from the sky. That was the plan. They didn't want to just like bomb Jerusalem, the ancient city that has the beautiful ancient holy sites. Um, you know. So, so they wanted to preserve it. Um, and it's worth noting, listen to this, that the Anglican church, remember, we're talking about the British army led by General uh, Allenby, that the, the airplane force. So this is a British army. So you think that many of them possibly went to the Anglican church, yes. They have a common book of prayer. December 8th, 1917 was the last full day of fighting for Jerusalem, okay? Using those airplanes. Now remember the common book of prayer that the Anglican church would have used. This is the British army here. It's the common book of prayer. This was written literally hundreds of years before this day, December 8th, 1917. And there was an appointed scripture for that day's reading, And this is how the Lord orchestrates all things to his plan in great detail. So this was like a devotion for them. And they would have opened. Do you know what that day's reading and scripture was? And I quote, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also he will deliver it and passing over he will preserve it. It was precise. It was the exact same verse that we were talking about in Isaiah. This was read by the British soldiers on the day that they would deliver Jerusalem. And I cannot make this stuff up, people. This is the number 14 squadron that brought the deliverance, that was reading that scripture, that is flying overhead, fulfilling that obscure little word. And all the way back, Isaiah 31 verse 5, the squadron number was squadron number 14, and the ones that flew there over the Holy Land at that time of Israel or Jerusalem's, I'm sorry, deliverance, they had a motto. Their motto was, quote, I spread my wings and I keep my promises. When I read that out loud, Sean actually kind of was not paying attention. He was doing lots of things in the kitchen. And he goes, well, yeah, but back then they actually were more uh, ready with the word. They were more in the the church and the word of God. And I said, no, Sean, it's not a scripture. It's their motto. But their very motto sounded so much like the scripture that they were going to fulfill. He thought it was scripture. God's Knowledge, listen, it stretches to every event, every situation, every danger, every war that is to come, including coronavirus, until he comes again. Okay. We're going to look at Cyrus. This is in Isaiah as well. I am not going to quiz you after this. Please do not feel like you have to get every single note and memorize these things. This is just to stir your faith, get the overarching picture that our God is in control. Just like Isaiah saw in our last week's reading, the Lord high and lifted up, he's seated on the throne. His train, you know, his robe fills the temple. So the Lord is on the throne right now. Things are working together according to to what he wills. Isaiah 45, if you want to turn with me, I'm going to read to you uh, verse one through seven. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, this anointed to Cyrus. So we're talking about Cyrus whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him, to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him, so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you, this is the Lord, and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze. I will cut through the bars of iron, verse 3. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. This is why. So that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, Who summons you by name for the sake of my servant Jacob? So it's about his covenant with Israel, his promises that he's gonna fulfill and keep to fulfilling them to the end of time. He says, Of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name to bestow on you a title of honor, though you don't know me. You don't know me, Cyrus. Even though you don't know me, I'm bestowing this honor on you. And it's not because of you. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, Cyrus. Verse 6, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. So listen to me as you're freaking out, as elections are coming up. We need to be praying. We need to be active. We need to be doing our, our part. And we need to be informed. But this is ultimately what you have to have. That long view that you need to understand these truths. God can and does use ungodly leaders for his purposes. Hmm. Twice, the nation of Israel was sent into exile. The first time, to Babylon. The second time, to the ends of the earth. Twice they returned, once in the ancient world and once in the modern, only 72-some years ago. The king who ordered the decree, listen, to return was named Cyrus. So right here as we're learning, there is a template. There is a type. There are patterns that God uses to teach us to say this is that. In our modern time, the regathering of the Jewish people in the 20th century, it replayed with the Cyrus anointing in the presidency of Harry Truman. Harry Truman sent word for the exiles of Israel to return. He worked for a resolution that brought Israel back into the world and his recognition of the nation at the moment of its birth. Now, there's so many details that you can look at in Jonathan Kahn's book called The Oracle that are mind-blowing if you want more. There's so much just on, uh, you know, Truman alone, but we're going to go into Donald Trump because, listen, God often and likes to use the least likely to do his purposes, his bidding at his will in his time. So Truman set the template of Cyrus. He set everything into motion that would lead to the rebirth of Israel. Just like under King Cyrus in ancient times and his leadership, the Jews were set free from Babylonian captivity. Cyrus was not a believer. And I quote, I have called you by your name, though you have not known me. God used Cyrus to fulfill God's will. Now let's move to uh, March 2017. Trump's first year of presidency he issues a statement on norruz and you're like what the heck is norruz and why do i care because again of the specific, specific okay say it specificity. specificity that's the word i love to use it and i can never say it norruz is literally the new year's day celebration of ancient I mean, it's like a movie and and when you watch this unfold. So this is the day that Trump spoke of King Cyrus, ancient Persia's New Year's Day. Quote, Cyrus the Great, a leader of the ancient Persian Empire, famously said that freedom, dignity, and wealth together constitute the greatest happiness of humanity. Ezekiel, we're going to get into Ezekiel, but chapter one, verse one says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Remember where they're supposed to be in captivity for 70 years and Cyrus is going to be stirred by the Lord. It says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he actually makes a proclamation. It's all working together. It's in that first year, king's proclamation and then also the president's proclamation of the Jewish people to go back to their land, to have sovereignty over their holy city, Jerusalem. The template is working. It's actually a play-by-play. You're like looking at Isaiah's, what he's prophesying, Jeremiah's prophesying, Ezekiel's prophesying, and Cyrus goes and does it literally as the script says. And so the president also declared and recognized Jerusalem as belonging to the Jewish nation. Cyrus recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish nation. Cyrus permitted the people to go up to Jerusalem to return to their holy city. Now our president's proclamation did this very same thing. The prophet Jeremiah revealed how long Israel's exile would last, as I told you, 70 years. It's Jeremiah 29, 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are complete at Babylon, I will perform my good word toward you and cause you to return. 70 years. So now 70 years is connected to Cyrus. Is it connected to Trump and the Cyrus mandate that was on him? 1947 Israel was voted into existence at the UN. Following the Cyrus template in scripture, you have 1947, you add 70 years, and it equals the year 2017, the very year the new Cyrus Donald Trump rose to world power and just happened to issue an proclamation concerning Israel. You can't make this stuff up. Only God could predict these things so precisely and so on time and so beautifully that everything just starts lining and fitting up. It's as if they are reading the book themselves. Trump in his declaration said, and I quote, It was 70 years ago that the U.S. under President Truman recognized the state of Israel. So now you have both ancient king and modern in their first year of reign, both of them, first year of presidency, first year of reign for the king, both proclaim in kingship, the other in his presidency, the recognition of the right of the Jewish people to Jerusalem and Jerusalem as its capital. In ancient times, they grant legal authority, sanction of return by The greatest power of the ancient world, which was Cyrus uh, and Persia in his day and age. And now we fast forward by our president. And it's the same, the greatest power of the modern world, the United States of America, proclaiming the exact same thing. Why do you care? Let me fill in the dots. God is precise. He is exact he has patterns. He has templates. We know the time that we live in. We know the days are short. We know He is ready to come to actually receive us back up with Him, that He's going to restore all things, that the judgment of the earth is going to take place. But not for us because we're not on the wrath of God. And, and all these things are taking place. And there's things that are assigned to you to do now. And it's not just to wait and hunker for him to come and take us away. Um, it, the, the, the world, listen, has its solutions, and they're not going to work. If you read the book, you know the end. We need the Prince of Peace, and only when he comes will we have peace. There will be a false peace. There will be false prophets. Uh, there will be a leader that is literally uh, like charged by, by the devil himself who will bring a false peace to the world and will solve all these crises and problems that we're facing. Right now, you have the world that's telling us that it's the vaccine that's gonna save us, and it's not. There are people who are saying the biochip is going to save us for our economy and this is the only way we can have safety and security in the land, Um, you know, but it won't. More testing is what we need. More surveillance is what we need. And the only thing that you and I, as the children of God, need to know is that we don't need to be afraid. We do not let that spirit enter or come upon us, but we've been given power and love and a sound mind. And what our answer is, the only way out is to look up on our knees. That is what we are to do because he is the way, he is the truth, he, Jesus, is the life. It's time for us to turn back to God. It's time to repent. No one's talking about repentance, but yet that is the very thing that if you look through the prophets, it was I'm looking for the remnant. I'm looking for those that I can send, like Isaiah. Who will go for us? Who will I send? And those remnant, that's you, that's me, that Daniel generation. We need to be the ones that have the answer. We know the time. We have the hope that, that, that God is coming for us again to redeem the earth. But we are to actually be doing things in this space and time right now. And the thing that we're supposed to be doing is repenting. That's what he's speaking to this generation. We're not looking for that arm of flesh. We're not even looking for the government to take care of us. Although we are to pray for our governors, yes. But ultimately, I'm bringing you higher up into the things of the Lord. That big, big view of God because he's given it to you. He's given it to me. And he says, cry out to me. Be desperate and broken for me to be that the arm of God that protects you, that gives you provision. You know, I'm Jehovah Jireh. Uh, I'm I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I am El Shaddai, the God of too much. I mean, these are the things that He wants to be for those who cry out for Him right now. Uh, I I want you to, um, you know, as we just get ready to wrap up in prayer. Um, I I, want to read this uh, scripture to you uh, as we close because this Friday is so important, May 15th, um, uh, from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. We're asking for that remnant to come. I am asking for that remnant to come and meet at the Embarcadero downtown where we are going to do this very thing. We're going to fall down on our knees in complete dependence and crying out to God, saying, we need you. We are not looking to man to fix these problems. We will not use our own wisdom and understanding because they are nothing without you. Your ways, and Isaiah talks about it, are not our ways. Your thinking is higher than ours. You you literally span the universe in your right hand and, and you want to give to your kids the things that they need to, to walk in wisdom in this day and in this time. So we're going to get on our knees and, and here's the scripture to close in Isaiah. It says, Oh Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. So this is the watchman's call to prayer. That's what we're calling it. This is what's stirring in our heart. O Jerusalem, I posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night, continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work and makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. And we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But ultimately, what this scripture says here is that when when Jerusalem is the pride of all the earth, it means that Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning on the throne of David, just like he said he would. And you are believing in that. You are lending your faith towards that. You are focused on what God says. And you are one of those who says, I will overcome because it is written. Um, so, not weak, not anemic, not depressed, not in fear, but in boldness and in faith, and you know who you are, and you know that you are a king and you are a priest as we go through these scriptures. And you know your assignment, and it is not to be independent of God, but to be on your knees in complete humility and dependence. On God who loves you, who already demonstrated it for you on the cross and gave his life for you and is coming again. And the world needs, the world needs us, the watchmen, who know the time and know the word and are led by his spirit to do what we have been called to do as the watchmen. So please look up San It gives you the details there forward it to all of your friends. I look forward to seeing you as a prophetic sign as we cry out to God for this unique, prophetic, unprecedented time and space in history, and actually watch the church emerge into that book of Acts moment, you know, uh, that that we are destined for, a revival and a harvest like the world has never seen. Um, so, Our homework this week is actually going to be to read through Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah chapters 1 through 18. And people laugh, but I'm like, what have you been eating up until this point? Netflix, binging, uh, you know, uh, things are closed down. This is what you, this is the new normal. They want to condition you to say that, you know, being far away from people, isolated, lonely, and afraid, and death everywhere, uh, is the new normal. So get used to it. I'm telling you, this is the new normal. That we're eating and living off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you right now, and we ask that you would enact this word. You would literally, uh, you know, as we hear the scriptures, that it would be mixed with faith, Lord God, and and that the the remnant and the watchman would rise now, even as they hear these words. It's an action step that you are saying, this is the note this is the time, this is my vision, this is my plan for my people to stand in the gap right now for the world that is lost, for the world that does not know me, for the world that is choosing to do things away from me, against me, for the world that is under that spirit of antichrist even now. Those captives that need to be set free, the blind, Lord, they need their eyes open, their ears to be open, Lord God. The lame, they need, those feeble knees, they need the strength to to rise and stand in their true destiny as the children of God and they don't know they're lost they're broken and Lord God we want to stand in the gap we want to cry out to you and say Lord give us your wisdom fill us with your spirit stoke that fire in us let us have your perspective and your vision Lord God We will not depend on the arm of flesh, but we will look to the strong arm of the Lord. We will fear the Lord God Almighty, and we will overcome by it is written. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I look forward to seeing you on Friday on our knees. God bless you.